Hey guys, this is Chargers running back Joshua Kelly, and you're listening to the Charged Up Bolts podcast. Much love. I. Here's what's coming up this week on the Charged Up Bolts podcast. Joey Bosa, angry Joey Bosa. I mean, wow. But I would prefer Hugh Jackman. Why wouldn't you do it? Don't ruin it, brah. This podcast is not sponsored by Adam Gase. Hello and welcome to the Charged Up Bolts podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Bermudez, and on this podcast, we bring you the latest Chargers news, we preview and review every disappointing Chargers game, and we cry into a blanket because Anthony Lynn is still our head coach. What is going on? Another week, another Chargers loss. We're 3-8. and eight. Can't even get above 500 now. We lose to the Bills away from home in disastrous fashion because there were some good things. There were some takeaways. There was some good play from our hero... Herbert and our hero Bosa wow what a performance he puts in but what are those coaching decisions this week on display some of the worst blunders time management errors you have ever seen from a head coach I think most fans think that is this loss is the end of the road for Anthony Lynn as the Chargers head coach some disagree and maybe you'll hear about that later we'll be analyzing the game we'll be discussing who should replace Anthony Lynn if anybody and I have three amazing candidates to kick us off. I'm joined by a leader of men, John Moores Jr. Oh, is that me? Yeah, good evening. <laughs> good evening, Bess. <laughs> get your application yeah, in, yeah. get your CV up, get get ready. Um, I've got the West Coast Connection, John Ayres. Proudly broadcasting from beautiful Newport Beach, California, because if you're going to you're gonna cry the night away, you might as well do it at the beach. <laughs> Yeah, just make thanks, you depressed John. To have a look it's at minus that six over here. <laughs> and we have our next father figure as head coach, Dan King. Hey, Bez, how you doing? I'm excited. I'm not. I'm, I'm utterly defeated. But I am drinking away my sorrows with a, and I've got my hands on this for the first time, a Pacifico beer. Mm. Anyone know the charge's significance? It is the official beer that sponsors the Chargers. It's apparently a poor man's Corona. Corona sponsors the Rams, and we get Pacifico. Oh, but I'm I will tell you it. right now, as a Southern California native, I know all about that brand, and it is not the poor man's. I actually think it's better. I think, uh, I think Corona, much like the Rams, Corona has the cachet, good marketing, good branding, looks to be better, but Pacifico actually comes in with a better quality and a better taste. I think Pacifico is the better beer, just like the Chargers are the better team in L.A. They just have a really bad coach. Uh, no more no more uh, sponsorship for these guys unless they're paying us some money. Chargeupbolts.com. Come on, PayPal. <laughs> well, what are you drinking then? Come on. Mark Suspense's decaf water. tea. What do you expect? <laughs> I swear to God, look at no more sponsorship, Mark. <coughs> Marks and Spencers. <laughs> oh, Dan seems to have a fancy cup. What's in it? Pepsi. Nothing exciting there. Just that is plain a... old Pepsi. No, Pepsi Co. are based in Reading. Let's give them a call. I prefer Coca Cola. John, you know, was it Pepsi that oh. used to be called Brad's Drink? It's definitely a right move in rebranding there. Didn't know that. That's a factoid for our listeners. There. That's uh, that's one. Uh, Johnny, are you bringing back the coffee or are you on something different because you're on a beach? You, I'm angry at you. Well, when you're on the beach, you need something cool, crisp, and that's definitely not good for your health. So I'm actually drinking 
Wild Cherry Pepsi. What? Pepsi with the double sponsor today. Whoa. <gasps> Outrageous. To be fair, he's the great streak that was ever invented, so fair enough to you, mate. Yes. Oh, God. Well, you know, we're all disappointed. We, we lose another 27-17 loss on the road. I mean, a positive. It's not a one-score game for a change. We did ask for that last week for, for more North Turner blowouts, but unfortunately we were on the lot. losing end. Um, solid from Herbert, 316 yards, one interception coupled with a touchdown to Allen. Um, but I think the offence, I think we can agree, seemed to miss a beat in this game. But come on, give the guy some credit. He connected on back-to-back Hail Marys. Imagine someone saying to you that your quarterback launched two fourth-quarter Hail Marys, was successful on both, and you still lost. Why? Well, Eckler did return, but after that Hail Mary, we seemed to run him and lose time on the clock. Uh, and despite Bosa's three sacks, six tackles for loss, and five quarterback hits, he was a man on a mission. He couldn't win the game for us. Positives, Michael Davis had a great interception, but what was that coaching staff doing? A burnt timeout early in the fourth quarter. What are you doing there? Uh, running the ball after the Hail Mary, losing time, and a quarterback sneak when the entire O-line is dropping into pass possession. Somebody make sense of it. Well, was there is no sense to be made. Rabbit in headlights. The the coaches' staff seem to have lost their way. The uh, situation seems to get the better of them. If you look beyond the game and look at Coach Lynn's uh, presser, he seemed to be uh, uh, in a state of human paralysis. <clears throat> it was just a bad day all round. And and credit to those players that were able to make the plays, such as Herbert and, and Joey Bosa on defence. Uh, it's almost as if the players were coaching themselves out there. Uh, it's a situation that is just getting worse and worse by the week. The Bills are a decent football team. They'll probably win the AFC East. And they really did find a way to unpick the Chargers on Sunday. Uh, pretty disappointed, really, um, that we we were expecting a bit of a shootout with Herbert and Allen. <clears throat> but that didn't happen. But credit to those Chargers that did actually stand up and... and and make an account for themselves because the the, the coaching staff certainly didn't. Um, I mean, that first uh, touchdown, you know, badly steps up, doesn't convert. It's like, come on, you know. And with with a, with a mixture of the uh, coaching errors, uh, the, the penalties, the fact that the Bills were able to make good of their own field advantage, there was there was no ever coming back for the Chargers. Um, the only good. Th- Did you not think you know bills? Bills tend to throw away scores yeah. and have terrible third quarters. Did you never feel like an no. thing we were gonna gonna no. win it or were you no, always I mean, like nah, it's in, in previous games? It's like we've got a chance to do this, but the game just seems to slip away from us. What is Josh Allen going to do on short yardage situations? He's going to run the football. Is is the reason why is the the Bills' uh, second highest rusher? He can move the ball with his legs he's athletic it's almost as if the the defense hadn't watched any tape on him and just allowed him to gain yardage at will and, and uh, you know for a new set of downs that's that is not acceptable okay if, if you're going to load the box to stop him from running he's gonna you know he's going to chip you and get the ball downfield but it was pretty obvious on a short yardage play he, he's going to go for that run and I, and I just thought that was a bit disappointing to see that we didn't uh, dial in a bit more pressure. Uh, but Joey Bosa, angry Joey Bosa, I mean, wow, absolutely phenomenal. And I, I'm really pleased because the 
concussion protocol that he went into um by his own admission it was it was very scary and to see him coming out there a healthy which is the most important thing and and b to actually be really productive three sacks I can't remember how many tackles for loss was it six or something ridiculous like that and the fact that he was actually fired up in the middle of the field he he didn't just talk the talk did he the other week he actually came and, and led by example and that's really good to see going down the stretch because there is a lot of pride still in this team and the, and those key players will keep will keep fighting regardless of how our season ends. Yeah, well, well uh, you know, I, I completely get that. What, what about you, John? Have you got positives? Do you think the coaching staff were on point or are you, are you with <laughs> everyone else? Go on, lad. I'm not even sure how you asked that last part of that question without laughing. Is, uh, just want to just want to stoke you up a bit. <laughs> look, I have I've got that chill SoCal beach vibe right now. All right, you're not going to ruin it. Don't ruin it, bro. <laughs> got my tasty waves, you know. Um, <laughs> seriously though, uh, there were some positives. I mean, I think you know John hit the nail on the head talking about Bosa. I mean, he's just. I mean, we all know he's good, but it's performances like that that remind us just how really good he is. So. I'm, I was pretty happy about that. I thought there were some defenders uh, who came up and uh, made some plays. Not enough, but there were some. Uh, and offensively, um, you know, I, I just it was just nice to see Eckler back on the field. I think I, I echoed. I think yep. everybody you know is going to say that too. You know, he was. I think the stat I just saw from PFF was that he had the second most yards after the catch this last week weekend, um, up there with Dio Samuel and uh, somebody else. So. I mean, just we miss that a lot, um, you know, and I think for someone who's who had the first game back and I was expecting him to not touch the ball that much, for him to really kind of lead that backfield again was a nice sight to see. Um, so it'll just be, you know, it'll, it'll kind of be on Steichen and the team to use him smartly moving forward. I mean, I'm really hoping they don't overuse him because they're trying to make themselves look better than they are. I mean, their time is done in, in L.A., I hope. And, you know, you know, at this point, you're just rooting for nobody else to get a significant injury that's going to impact their ability to play next year. You know, we saw Herbert go down from some dirty low hits, uh, the one time slow to get up. And, I mean, I think the collective Chargers Twitter gasped and held their breath. And then we're ready just to literally all invade that field and, 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 and gang tackle that, that defender who took him down by the knees. So... It's, uh, you know, when you see something like that, you know, as much as you want to see them push the ball and, and really go out there and try new things and compete, you also, it reminds you that, oh, whoa, these guys can still get hurt. And the last thing we need is um, Herbert taking a serious knee injury like Burrow, who's going to miss the, all, all the rest of this year and the majority of next year as well. So he's basically going to miss this for the rest of his two years. And I couldn't imagine this team without Herbert for two years. No, I mean, no chance. It'd be a, it, it's dumpster fire. I mean, uh, we're, I, I'm not ready for the Easton Stick era to ever begin. <laughs> so um, I'm sorry. I mean, I don't, I don't... we saw it for once. Now. Yes, we did. Was it, it was two, okay, we've seen two with... low hits, wasn't it, on Herbert? If I if I recall. So the one where he got hurt, he actually got hit up high and down low, which is what kind of exasperated it. But yeah, later in the game, number ninety for Buffalo. I don't remember his name at the time, but I remember his number because I was making sure it wasn't ninety-one who hit him low earlier before. Um, also hit him kind of low towards the end of a, a throw. So. Uh, yeah, it, it was a couple times uh, that I was just really like, oh, I cannot, I couldn't yeah. stand seeing Herbert get hurt. I, so, I tweeted out um, from the charge at Bolts about um, ejecting his ass, and Curtis Egan came on and said, you can't eject him for that. It's like, it's a figure of speech, <laughs> you know, protect the quarterback. 
I just want to know why nobody was going after him, why there's no cut blocks. You know, I'll take a 15-yard penalty to show somebody some. I mean, that, that may be old-school football, but, I mean, I'm an old-school baseball player. You know, you go after yep. somebody, the pitcher's going to go after you in the next yep. time around the plate. So I'm a big believer in that. You know, you got to protect Herbert. you got to show the other team that you're not soft. And to me, the line looks soft, and they didn't do anything. They weren't bullying anybody. They weren't doing anything that made me think that they weren't soft. So that was troubling to see. Um, the drops are also very troubling to me. I mean, they, it just – Herbert – could have had a much better day, um, had some of those receivers caught those balls. And he was only credited by PFF's account for four drops, um, but there were way more yeah. than that. Um, again, the PFF, their statistics are trash uh, half the time. And, you know, part of those things that they don't count, they say, oh, catchable balls dropped. I'm sorry, there were plenty of catchable balls where he threw them in the place that only the receiver could get it, and they just straight up dropped it, couldn't come down with it. So I'm blaming that. Um, you know, we started to see some... Um, some of those receivers who, you know, yeah, we love to see them make the big plays, but trying to rely on them as a number three, like, you know, like T. Billy, um, is not great because they're just not, they're not on the same page as Herbert. You know, you saw at least three, three different throws that I can remember where, you know, it was very obvious that Herbert was expecting the receiver to go one way and the receiver went the complete opposite way and the ball just looked like it was thrown to nowhere. So uh, that's a little troubling. You know, I'd really like to see you know, at this point, with as many starts as he's had, I'd really like to see Herbert really connect with some of these other receivers the same way he's connected with Mike Williams and the same way he's connected with Keenan Allen. You know, part of that's just that they're rotating out that wide receiver three continually. And, and, and I get what they're trying to do, but honestly, you need to pick a guy and stick with him. You need consistency. You're not helping your young quarterback out. And the last thing that really troubled me, I mean, and there's a lot of things, but uh, just the offense again, in general, the scheme was just terrible. I hated, I hated the way that they kept leaving Herbert out to dry. They know the O-line's a, tr- uh, a problem. They know the, that he's a sitting duck back there. And what do they do? They continually run him back there with five to seven step straight drops, meaning he's just sitting there in the middle waiting to get hit. You know, most of, you know, most of the time when he is getting out of the pocket, which is by his own volition, um, he's, he's making a play, he's getting positive yards. The two times they did run a bootleg, both of those went for positive yards. So it's just, I don't understand why they don't have him moving on every single play. Every single play should be a play action, an RPO, or some sort of bootleg rollout. Like there's no reason for him to be standing in the pocket right now. And I know, yeah, you can get better throws and and better whatever by standing in the pocket. That's great. And I know that, you know, when you roll them out, you end up cutting off half the field but you really don't for Herbert you're only cutting off three-fourths of the field because he's got the arm to throw it across the field to make the play so to me it's really all about you know how they used him and it's been poor so I just it was all around a a very disappointing showing for me yeah what about you Dan were you disappointed or uh, oh massively (laughs) massively disappointed how could you not be um but just to touch on what John was saying there you mentioned uh run a few RPOs as long as it's not the speed option with Kelly because that that was um that was that was not good um among other things um God, it was just such a such a baffling like management of a game I, I don't think i've i've watched a game and just been that astounded and confused by calls that are made calls that are not made not using the timeouts using the timeouts at the wrong time not using a challenge when he was like well i wanted to use a timeout to argue with the refs it's just use the challenge um i i I just i just don't know but hey there were some positives 
there were some positives. Uh, they've mostly all been touched on, but just wanted to add that Keenan Allen's now above six touchdowns for the first time since his rookie season. He got eight in his rookie season, I think, and he's been on six for the last three or four seasons. So seven now, uh, with still some time to beat his record of eight. Um, and just great to see Eckler back and leading the team in yardage. He had, what, 129, something like that, combined yards? Um uh, he's, and, he's so impressive to have him back. It's a big positive. Yeah. Huge. And uh, in terms of um, picking a third receiver and just going with them, I was quite surprised we didn't see any throws to the dependable Gabe Neighbours. There was just nothing hmm. there this week. Can't believe it. Poor, poor he Gabe. Was, the he hero. was being a blocker. I mean, he was he was essential on that uh, Joshua Kelly LT-esque dive into the end zone. He was uh, he was lined up in that eye formation, and, and the the way that he ran towards the line and basically fell forward was just. I mean, you can't replace that kind of production. You know. You know. Speaking of that Kelly <laughs> motion um, play, just that to me is first of all that play is wrong because you shouldn't have Kelly running that. Kelly does not have the foot speed for that. He's not the lateral. That that should be Austin Eckler. And if Austin Eckler is not ready, then you call a different play. <clears throat> A microcosm of what's wrong with this team is that they continually try to force feed the plays that they want to run with the players that are on the field that they have left. Injuries suck. I get it. But you need to craft your offense and your defense around the talent and the skills that are out there. Not just say, well, round, uh, you know, round hole square peg, just jam it in there and, you know, just, you know, use the right technique and, you know, perform, do what you do your job and it'll work out. No, it's not going to work out because you can't have Joshua Kelly run that route. Number two, something that they do. And if you go back and watch every game, it just it kills me. What what do good teams with great offenses do? With you know what, what does Mahomes do? What does Rodgers do? What, what do all these good quarterbacks do? When you get a, a first or second down and short, they continually go for a big play because they know third and short, second and short manageable. Multiple times in this game, they got a penalty or they got a big play on first down, and it was second and short or it was even first and five. And they never, all they did was run the hand of the ball off. They're like, well, let's just try to pick up the first down. No, don't try to pick up the first down. Take a shot at the end zone. Throw a deep ball. And if you don't get it, oh, well, now it's third or second and short. Like, that's manageable. I, I am so tired of the conservative nature of this offense and not taking a shot, you know. Yeah. And had they, had they, instead of running that play to Joshua Kelly on first and five in the red zone, had they instead taken a, sh- uh, or sorry, not first and five, second and like one, I think it was, when they ran that play. Had they taken a shot and it failed, you know, that was, by the way, the perfect time for that Mike Williams end zone fade. If you're going to throw it, throw it on second and one in the red zone. And guess what? If it doesn't, then you've got third and one, and then you can convert third well, and one. You know, that's, it's a, good, not, that, that's uh, a good point, John, because you talk about making the big plays. One of the strengths of our season is being the ability for Herbert to throw downfield to our receivers, whether it be Guyton, Mike Dubb, uh, Keenan, uh, Hunter Henry. There haven't been too many drops and there's been some outstanding catches. And we're not we're not utilising that. We're not playing to our strengths. And, and that was another disappointment. I mean, the lack of aggression. You, you're down. We, we, we are not. There's no reason for us to be conservative. We are not going to the playoffs. So why would you be conservative on a fourth and short? Just go for it. Because everyone's expecting the charges now on a fourth and short just just to punt, you know it's it's not acceptable. Just go for it. If we if we give up field position and oh, we I... end up conceding another touchdown, well, so what? We're go- we're probably going to anyway. So let let's just be aggressive and go for it. Let's move the chains. Well, I've begged them to find their cojones 
at some point and they they haven't even got it when their job's disappearing in front of their eyes. So I just feel they were confused. You know, you just compare and contrast the attitudes of Joey Bosa, who wanted to lead the team through his own efforts to victory and dominated everything he did, versus the kind of coach that wants to argue with the referee and waste a timeout that ends up being crucial, that there's miscommunication and and indecision over what they're going to do on fourth downs. Are you punting? Are you kicking? Are you Are you driving into the end zone? What are you doing after a Hail Mary? There's no confidence and commitment and knowledge of what the plan is and what's next and how they move. It's all reacting and it's out of their depth, inexperience from a head coach who's been promoted too soon and his staff who have, on the one hand, Steichen, who I think has been exposed a little bit now. He, his performances are, are catching up with his inexperience. And you've got Gus Bradley, who is one-dimensional, easy to beat by anyone who's ever seen any tape from him before. Um, did you see the Bills comment uh, that came out that, that there's nothing particularly difficult or different about their play calls on defence? They just make you play honest football. Brilliant. And the, the, the good point there, what you've made, is, Bez, is dithering. If you're dithering around the sideline, what are you doing? All you're doing is you're allowing the opposition to take stock of the situation and adjust accordingly. You look at the teams like the Chiefs, high-powered, high-tempo offense. They don't give you time to breathe, okay? The Chargers do the opposite. It's almost like, do you want to, do you guys over there, do you just want to gather gather your thoughts and while we decide what we're going to do? And all of a sudden it's like, boom, we're handing the ball over to, you know, we're turn, we, we, we turn the ball over and downs. It's, it's ridiculous. And I think Coach Lynn's got to a point now, in my own opinion, where he's lost all confidence and things are just getting harder and harder by the day. And it's compounded by the fact that we played a good football team on Sunday. Uh, they they kind of, on another day, I think the Bills would have scored a lot more points, but Bozo was on it, which which helped. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's time to move on. It really is. It really is time to move on. Before we d- but to who? But to who? And this is a big part of today's episode. Who do we move on to? I mean, are we even going to sack him? Has Tom Telesco got got the guts to get rid of his main man or is COVID going to be an excuse to keep him? I mean, Dan, do you do you think that he's going to go? And and if he does go, you know, who's the obvious replacement for you? Um, I think he's going to go. I don't think he's going to go in the next five weeks. Um, or, yeah, there's five weeks left. Um, I think he goes five weeks from now. Um, I... I could see Telesco going as well, but I, I think there's more of a chance that Telesco stays and Lynn goes. Uh, and if Lynn goes, everyone goes with him. I, I'd want us to keep Pep, but that's a, a long shot, I feel. Um, in terms of obvious replacements, I don't think there is anyone obvious. Um, kind of person at the front of my mind at the moment is uh, Arthur Smith, OC of the Titans. It's really helped Tannehill turn his career around i mean he was what under gase anyway for a while so he needed his career turning around um 
Um, but he's kind of got things rolling there. He was a tight ends coach, and you can see it with um, Jonu Smith just playing really well this year. Um, it helps, obviously, that he's got Derek Henry. Uh, not everyone has a man that big that can run the ball. Um, in, fair, but, in fairness uh, to him, though, Henry was a mediocre running back um, he was, before sure. he came in. So, I mean, he did he did help unlock something with Henry. Not that there was – I mean, I think a lot of people saw the way Henry ran and said this guy could be good. And why it took him to unlock it, I don't know. It seems pretty obvious, but, uh, you know, he's smart enough. Yeah, I mean, he, he even had, what, three touchdowns this weekend just gone as well, oh, yeah. Henry, didn't he? Oh, yeah. I mean, he dominated yeah. this weekend. He's just, he's so so brutal. Why didn't I take him in fantasy? <laughs> there we go. 27 carries, 178 rushing yards, and three he's, he's touchdowns. He's not bad, is he? Um, no, he's all right, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think Arthur Smith would be my, my kind of first choice, but... I can't say that I know the college game particularly well, so I've not delved into looking at college coaches. I've just gone, who's a decent offensive young mind? <laughs> I've got a few ideas on college coaches, but uh, John, why don't you go, um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll close so it So I'm a firm believer we should get um, a, an OC in to take up the reins as the head coach, basically because I think that's where our strengths lie at this moment in time with, with Herbert and the offence. And I'm going to really upset, if anybody's listening from Seattle, I'm going to upset all the Seahawks fans. I think we should go for Brian Schottenheimer, son of Marty. If you look what he's done there on the Seattle offense, Russell Wilson's having another amazing season at 32 years old. You know, the Seahawks have been pretty poor on defense. However, you know, they're 8-3 because their, their offense is lining it up. And I think we've already seen how good Herbert and Allen and the, the rest of the receiver core and Austin Eckler are um, behind a, uh, a weakened and makeshift O-line. And I think Schottenheimer would be the man that could come in and, and take us to the next level, uh, bring his own defensive coaching, specials teams coach, which is massively important. But they've got to do it early. They've got to do it in January so they can start preparing for the draft. But this is the reason why I would like to see Lynn go before the end of the season. Our last three games, divisional rivals. We are not going two seasons without winning a divisional game. It cannot happen. We don't like losing to the uh, Raiders. Broncos have pissed me off because of their attitude after that win the other week. We handed them that win. You know, and I got no sympathy for them um, breaking COVID protocol and getting hammered last weekend. Broncos do one, okay? We cannot lose to them. I said we'd sweep the Chiefs uh, beginning of the season. We, were, we ran them close in week two. We're going to get balled over in in the uh, in week seventeen um, unless we do something phenomenal. So that's the reason why I would like to see Lynn depart uh, before we, those divisional games come, and that's not far away. It's on the horizon. But if, the, if if we are going to get fire in, it needs to be done no later than sort of middle of January so we can get a new team in, they can get settled, they can get used to the personnel and then have a look at what we need to do in the draft. Yeah, those are two great candidates. Um, and I think if we're staying on the offensive side of the ball, I think there's quite a bit of, of talent in the NFL. A, a guy who was recently, as, as recently as last year in the college ranks, uh, who's now the offense coordinator for the... Panthers is Joe Brady. I think what what he did with um, Joe Burrow, and again Joe Burrow is a good quarterback. I, yeah, but he was he couldn't win the job at, at Ohio State. 
So he had to transfer to LSU. His first year at LSU was very rough, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that they were trying to, they were trying to force Burrow to do some things that he wasn't necessarily capable of doing. Again, coming back to those arm limitation issues, uh, and just you know he had some confidence issues as well. Joe Brady came in as you know as his quarterback coach and passing passing game coordinator, basically in charge of just the passing game, and we saw what kind of year he put up there. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, I had very low expectations for. He's he's generally a fairly conservative quarterback who does not put up gaudy stats, but in uh, Carolina, he's put up some really nice stats. That offense looks pretty solid um, uh, most times. And again, they don't have necessarily all the talent that, uh, that the Chargers have, but they're still putting up really good production there. So I think Joe Brady would be a great offensive mind to bring in. Um, a, a coach that I think in the college ranks that I think needs to be uh, really talked about uh, a little bit more uh, is going to be one that you probably have never heard of. Um, and, you know, that's okay. You, you don't have to know everybody. Uh, but he's the coach of the Iowa State Hurricanes. Again, you're, not, you're probably not sure who that is. Uh, but that's, that's going to be Matt Campbell. So why am I bringing up somebody who coaches in Iowa? I'll tell you why. Iowa State is not a powerhouse team, but they're in a really tough area. They're, they're, in, a, they're in a division that is, is, is generally known to play very tough football. To, it's hard to get, it's hard to manufacture wins. And when you're playing um, at o- Iowa State, you're continually playing with, you know, not the best recruits in, in the league. But he has done nothing but win. Um, he's got that team at 7-2, and two, which again, that to me, um, that is really impressive. I, I don't think that they are um, a great team by any means, but I think they're a well-coached team. So, um, you know, he's had he's got head coaching experience never in the NFL, but at least he's got the experience of running a program um, from top to bottom and being in charge of everything. And I think that's what we missed a lot with Lynn is that Lynn came in and, you know, he never had a – I mean, he had one full season where he was a high-level um, coach, and that season he split time at offensive coordinator and at head coach, um, and only because the guys ahead of him basically all got fired. So, um, you know, that's kind of the only reason that um, he had any experience coming in, and we've seen that that, exp- that lack of experience is really, really showing. So, you know, again, it's, it's somebody who I think could really maybe come in and make an impact. Um, a lot of people are talking about, unfortunately, um, Harbaugh. I, I personally am not a big Harbaugh fan. Um, if you want to talk, I want, I want to stay in college though. Another name, uh, Northwestern head coach, Pat Fitzgerald. He's another guy who's, who's played, who's coached some programs that haven't really had the most elite athletes. Um, but he's coached them up really well. They're well-disciplined. Um, they produce on both sides of the ball. So those are two guys, but my favorite, and again, this is, this is my own personal opinion. My favorite idea is bringing a defensive minded head coach into the mix. Uh, the reason for that is because I think they have a solid offense. I think they've got a lot of the, the offensive um, you know, players in place. So somebody who can bring in a good seasoned offensive coordinator. And there's plenty of good offensive coordinators. There's never a lack of good offensive coordinators in the league, um, which is you know, what kills me, the fact that we're, we're dealing with somebody who's learning on the job right now in Steichen. But, um, so I would really love to see someone like Robert Sala get in there uh, from San Francisco. And what, what I really love about him is that, yeah, his first year, he had a lot of, you know, good players and that defense looked like one of the best in the league and they went to the Super Bowl. And that's great. What I want to focus on is his coaching this year. This year, um, their defense has had just about as many critical injuries as the Chargers have. And yet that defense is still producing. 
you know, they're, they're, they're maybe not the same Super Bowl caliber team, but they're not a bad team. And, and that's the difference. It, it shows me that he's a coach who's capable of making adjustments, looking at the talent and players he has, and setting up a game plan around them versus just saying, well, this is my game plan. I'm going to make all these guys try to fit my game plan. So he's one of he's one of my leading candidates. I, I know he doesn't have all the experience um, you know, as far as a head coach goes, but he's got lots of experience um, you know, from uh, – from just being the defensive coordinator on a team that went to the Super Bowl. So I love to see him there. Um, also, I'm a big Todd Bowles fan. I know there's a lot of discussion between, you know, what about a 4-3 defense versus a 3-4 defense. I think Todd Bowles is a savvy enough um, coach that he understands that, you know, what the Chargers would play best in and not try to force his scheme on them as well. So to me, I think it's easier to find offense coordinators than defensive coordinators. So I'd rather get a defensive-minded head coach to really unlock the potential of this defense and then bring in a sa- have him bring in a savvy um, offensive coordinator to kind of, you know, continue to unlock the potential. Um, so that, that's just my own personal opinion. However, if they did go with like an Arthur Smith, could you imagine signing Arthur Smith and then signing Vic Fangio, who's rumored to be getting cut by the Broncos as our defensive coordinator? I mean, that would be a tasty coaching couple right there. Just on, uh, uh, Harburg, it's a massive no from me. His, his record's not great. In, I mean, Leave his, the man alone. No, his bowl record's like two and five and... I think did they not did Michigan not lose to Penn State or zero and four going into this week? So, no. Yeah, but he did take an awful Forty Niners team and turn them into a thirteen three Super Bowl game. Yeah. So, you know, I, I like. I think we can do better. You know, I like the guy. I think he brings some swagger with him. He it's about him. Takes some focus off the the team and and onto him and his legacy. I wouldn't mind it. I'm the only person I think here who wouldn't mind seeing Harbaugh come in and be given a chance. I think what's probably ruined it for him. Is Michigan isn't pulling up any trees, is it really? So um, perhaps his time's gone. I have an alternative for you all because I love all your suggestions. Um, but I have the dream team. I think it goes beyond a new head coach and a new entire coordinator, head coach, front office. Let's let's throw Telesco out. Here is my dream scenario. First of all, you need to revamp the offense. I think Steichen's out of his depth. So let's bring back some soiled goods who actually isn't that bad of an offensive coordinator. John's favourite, favourite person in the NFL, and that's Adam Gase. Um, I mean, we, we're probably going to want the enemy, but we're not going to get him as head coach that could bring that spark. So let's go get Gase and bring him in as a overqualified but underachieving OC. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, we've got to get rid of Bradley what about Dan Quinn coming in from a, from a failed gig? You bring in another failed head coach and you make him a defensive coordinator to go back and do what he has proven he's good at. How do you bring that all together? The dream team. You have a general manager and you have an offensive coordinator with ultimate experience. Head coach, Hugh Jackman. General manager, Bill O'Brien. Why wouldn't you do it? <laughs> Hang on, I'm just going to go and get my sick bag. I'll be back in about five minutes. Just one, one <laughs> note. You said Hugh Jackman. I'm assuming you meant Hugh Jackson, but I would prefer <laughs> Hugh Jackman. <laughs> oh, oh, mate, mate. The, you know, yeah, if you we'll want just trade Justin uh... Herbert away. We'll, we'll sign Tim Tebow. <laughs> Let's do that. Yes. Mate, that's a dream team. Can you imagine if Bill O'Brien was announced? I think we'd have to just all just... <sighs> the storm California COVID be damned um, but you know in, in in honesty I want the enemy 
uh, interdivisional offensive coordinator who can come and do some magic with a with a rookie, uh, a, a, an amazing guy who's been a great rookie in Justin Herbert. I think that could elevate the offense and turn us into a Chiefs-style team that can outscore you at every opportunity. Could you imagine the showdowns between Mahomes and Herbert if we had somebody like the enemy? If he lives up to the hype, because I think he's a, a tad overhyped. Don't get carried away with the guy. But don't overlook Tom Telesco bringing in soiled goods. He does it all the time. You know, in the players' arena, he goes out and brings other people's offcuts who are on a bit too much of a salary. He brings them in. Remember Brandon Flowers coming in? He always finds a nice discounted player. Why not a nice offensive coordinator, defensive, or a head coach that's failed somewhere else? I think it'll happen. I think the Jets will hire someone like Anthony Lynn after Gase. I think they'll go and say, oh, you know, oh, COVID ruined it for you. You know our organisation. Come back. Um, I wouldn't put it past Telesco doing something like that. Bez, if we get the enemy, I will drink microwave tea for the next year on this podcast. I think we have a little bit of a crush on that man, don't we? But I don't think it's realistic. I don't see him coming. John, do you think he's going to turn up? Do you think that we could get the enemy? Or is are we shooting for the stars? Or is he overrated? Um, I just have a hard... I, I wouldn't hate it. I think the enemy could potentially be that guy. But I just wonder, you know, how much of his success is just because he's under Andy Reid and because he has Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. Um, and how much is mm-hmm. that of him? You know, is he calling his own plays? Is he creating schemes? Is he creating game plans? Or is Andy Reid heavily involved? You know, some of those things like when the training wheels come off, you know, is he going to succeed? You know, and that that could be a problem. You know, that yeah. it, it's really hard to tell. Like well, you talk about Adam Gase, and I know that was a joke, but everyone tried to think that say that he was a, you know, a quarterback guru, but really he he just happened to be there when Peyton Manning was hitting hitting us some stride. You know, like mm-hmm. it's. Other than that, he hasn't had a quarterback perform underneath him the entire time, and it can't all be that. I mean, Sam Darnold is not a bad quarterback. I think he just got ruined by Adam Gase. Ryan Tannehill was not a bad quarterback. He just got ruined by Adam Gase. So, you know, I just... Jesus, we spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about that. I know. It's it's so easy. (laughs) The Adam Gase. I I think this podcast is not sponsored by Adam Gase. It's catharsis, though, right? I mean, I think talking about somebody, somebody who has it worse than you gives you perspective that, hey, it could always be worse. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I worry about the enemy. I worry about what he's done. Like, you know, and I, I know I throw out Joe Brady and Joe Brady has, has that, you know, you, you always worry about a guy like who had Joe Burrow and like, did he really help Joe Burrow succeed or did Joe Burrow succeed and it made him look good? Well, I think he's doing well as an offensive coordinator in Carolina, which is what I like. And what I like about Joe Brady is that he's come in and he's, he's put a stamp on things. He said like, this is how we're going to run things. This is what we're going to do. And that's a difference maker, right? That's somebody who's. Who's, who's willing to put in the time to create something and then make it work. And that's what I want to see. I just want to see a coach that I'm very comfortable um, knowing that he's got the ability to make decisions, to create game plans, to do everything that you need to do. Um, and it's something that I don't think Anthony Lynn has ever figured out. And I, I worry about bringing in a coach that we're not 100% sure has done it himself or if he's just kind of under the wing. Uh, of Andy Reid. Well, I, 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 well, I love that take. That's the that's a key point because if you look around the league and you look at the the coaches that have have, have been there, seen it, done it, the Pete Carroll's, the Andy Reid's, the Bill Belichick's, we're not going to get them, you know. And it's you know Doug Marone, it, we're not going to get um, 
We're not going to get them. Um, well, how many times does, does someone come out of the school of Bilicek and fail? Look at Matt Patricia, well, first coach to be to be fired this season. Bill O'Brien. I thought it was great. I would have loved him to come. And he's no, just absolutely no. stunk up the place. No chance. <laughs> no, I wouldn't have selected him if it was the last I coach just, on earth. That's yeah, this whole, this whole coaching tree thing, I've decided I just can't. I can't get behind that argument. Anybody who brings up coaching tree, I just tell you, get off of it. There is literally no data of proof that being uh, a coordinator or an assistant under any specific coach um, means that you're going to have any results. Yes, it, it, you can show, hey, there's some tendencies that are picked up and that you push forward. That's great. But it, it doesn't show, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to be good at clock management. It doesn't mean you're going to be good at, at game planning. You know, it doesn't mean you're going to be good at any of those things. So I just, it, it's hard for me to buy the coaching tree thing. So I, I refuse to even look at that anymore. But, 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 but on the situation, I'm just in the, middle of uh, writing a piece of charge at bolts.com and why the charges is still an attractive uh, prospect for anybody coming in. And it's because of our base and that base is Herbert, Allen, Boza, you know, Derwin, James, Austin Eckler, those players that are the nucleus of the rosters and somebody out there with aspirations, you know, will come in and think, well, actually they've already got a franchise quarterback. The kid's great. Look at what he's done in his rookie season. So I've got no doubt that there will be um, applicants for this job if and when it comes up. But it goes back to what we said of what is the quality of those applica- uh, applicants and do they? how do they best fit the LA Chargers? Because ultimately it's all about wins, isn't it? Yep. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and as long as we move on from the inconsistency and, and under-pressure inadequacies of an Anthony Lynn... You know, the guy has lost the fan base so quickly because we all loved him on episode one of the Hard Knocks. Yeah. I promise you we did. He's lost us all. Um, interesting that, have you seen Daniel Popper's comment about half an hour ago saying that, you know, look at the kind of decisions he's making. At the end of the at the end of the half, the second half, uh, sorry, the end of the second quarter, the Chargers could have let the clock just run out and the half would have ended. He took a timeout, put his punting unit on and punted which goes really well this season. And it's just stuff like that, putting your team in a position to lose rather than elevating them to win. Um, it's not an easy task for Telesco. Um, let's and see what he does. And we support his decision as long as he gets rid of every single well, coaching staff. I think John, Hamilton. John might have touched on this in one of his uh, articles previously about Lynn's stubbornness. And part of being a leader is the ability to listen and actually take criticism and if you know, are any of is is Bradley or um, Shane Steichen have they got the freedom to actually challenge Lynn and say, "Whoa, boss, you're doing this wrong." Uh, and I think that's where good sports teams uh, blossom is when everyone's on the same page. I'm actually the gaffer, but you guys are empowered to step up and say, "That's not a good call at this moment in time." Yeah, you're right. Okay, we'll we'll do this or we'll do that. If if Lynn is that autocratic, that could be his downfall because you are the head coach, but you do not have the monopoly on the best ideas. Somebody will always see something differently to how you perceive that specific moment in time, and that could be his downfall. True. Well, hopefully that's been cathartic. We've come up with our solutions to the crisis. We've all been Tom Telesco for a few a few minutes. Um, let's see what he does, and we'll support him. <laughs> Nonetheless, just to say there's there's one name we didn't bring up as a potential Ooh. head coach. Um, Come on, throw us out the bomb. Do you guys know George Stewart? 
<laughs> oh, God help me. Oh. <laughs> Get that man off this podcast. Get off. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> Love it. So we've got some listener questions as well, guys. Um, thank you for your contributions, listeners. Um, super vans, you know, we've got competitions coming up. Um, keep listening. Some absolutely great interactions with us. So thank you again. Um, Adam and Twitter has been back in touch with another question this week. He asks, and it's a great one. Um, why keep Badgley as your kicker if you won't let him kick? I'm going to throw that out to Dan. Because the staff have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> that's that's the only reason I've got. Um, yeah, uh, I just, I've said it before, I should be the next kicker. Um, yes, please. There's, there's just, they, they talk about Badgley being uh, successful on the short yardage. Uh, and yes, he may be, what, is he still perfect? Less than 40 yards on field goals it doesn't sound right but he can't even make extra points half the time so he's clearly not the right guy for the job at the moment um and by taking the ball out of his hands they're acknowledging that but then i I just can't come up with a reason why they would be like well that just wasn't his day we'll keep him next time when it's not been his day for about four months does he ever have a day? <laughs> Young, I'll tell you who does have a day. Young Hoku, who we cut, and is now the Fa- Falcons' yeah, good old best. Young Way. Um, yeah. Unbelievable. That just goes to show the kind of thing. I mean, you can't... He lost us some games, but, the, you know, the, the front office reacted. Um, but John, you know, it was disappointing to see them decide that they couldn't trust him um, in the first half to, to narrow the, 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 the Bills' lead. Was that another embarrassing coaching decision? Yeah, um, I don't know. I think just trotting him out there was embarrassing. And, you know, they, they leaked something. Um, you know, they didn't leak, but we, we saw that they had brought in a couple kickers for tryouts this week, during the week. And, um, you know, not a single one of those have ever been on an NFL roster. So, I mean, to me, that's a sham, right? Like, did you even consider bringing in some sort of veteran? Did you even consider bringing in somebody who is, you know, who maybe could potentially be a good NFL kicker? No, you brought in some guys who've never even—they're probably—they've probably made it to a practice squad at some point, but that's about as far as they've gone. And you brought those guys in to compete with, with him. So that tells me that they were just doing it as a stunt to try to quote unquote motivate him to kick better. And then the first thing he goes out and does is misses an extra point, and then it's all downhill from there. It's probably, probably a good thing they haven't—they don't really let him kick that much anymore. And to be honest, they should probably just go for two every time, anyways. Why the heck not? I mean. You know, gets you gets gets you some more offensive plays. Um, you know, practice some of those short yardage that you love to do. Um, I just, I mean, maybe don't even care. Just cut him and not have it. Just have Ty Long out there doing everything. You know, I just why not? <laughs> why have a kicker? Just go for it on fourth down or punt it, and always go for two after a score. I mean, I don't see what's wrong with that. I, it probably couldn't be any worse than letting him kick. That's just my opinion. So. <laughs> Money no more. Money no more. Was? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, Badgley? What's going on? Well, the fact that we're pretty garbage all season, Badgley's come into a situation where he's got to make the field goal or the extra point. We can't keep leaving points on the field. So he's probably feeling that added pressure. So now not only do we need someone that's got the ability to convert, 
we need someone with the ability to handle the pressure in the moment and clearly it's got to Badgley. So the coaching staff have got to make a decision. Is it a blip in 2020? Do we keep him and hope that he bounces back? Or do we just cut him and move on? I'm glad I haven't got to make that decision because I don't know the guy personally, so it's very difficult. On paper, you would say get rid of him, bring somebody in. But it goes back to what we said about the coaching staff. If there's going to be a change, it needs to happen sooner rather than later so they can find their feet, assess what we've got, and then move forward. Yep, I, I hope that answers your question, Adam. Thank you for posing it. It's another mess, isn't it, to unravel yet another one from our coaching staff. It's just so disappointing. Brexit's easy compared to sorting out the charges. It is, isn't it? Unreal. Um, a big question we've got here from Christopher, who I was um, grateful to talk to through the game on Twitter, so thank you, um, is talking about the secondary. Um, and I think we both agreed that we're worried about Casey Hayward. We don't think Tavon Campbell is a long-term answer. And Mike Davis, if he's your cornerback number one, even if he's your cornerback number two, is perhaps a concern. Well done, lad, getting an interception, but also getting beat regularly. Um, disappointing. Do we not need a complete revamp of the secondary urgently? I think we do. You know, I, I'm I'm advocating we draft um, Pat Sertain the second um, instead of Sewell. Uh, I think we're likely to be fifth, sixth in the draft. That's the top cornerback. We'll get him. Um, I've looked at the. I've talked last week a bit about the free agents I would want to sign, um, and maybe go out and 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 spend some money on a a, a you know someone coming off a a prove it deal a cornerback. I think we need to revamp it. I agree with you, Christopher. Um, I think this is a major need. It's a huge problem for our team, and you cannot skimp. You know we went out and paid Casey Hayward. We have to go and do that again. Draft and sign and make it better. Uh, do you disagree with me? What do you reckon, John? It's hard to say. Um, the good thing for the Chargers is they have a solid um, a solid offseason bankroll to work with. So they, um, they're they gonna not going to have any cap issues. So they can they kind of have the flexibility to sign where they need to sign and um, not sign where they're signing, uh, where they don't need to sign. So I think part of it's going to depend on, on the coordinator. I mean, the... Corners we have now are, are really set up to not play a ton of man. Um, so, you know, if you're going to bring someone in who's going to ask them to do a lot more man, then yeah, probably we could probably use a revamp. Um, but if you're going to bring someone in who's going to have them doing a lot of more a lot of zone like they like they're generally used to, I think they're pretty competent. I think part of it is just the pressure issue. There's not a lot of pressure being made, and you know I don't care how good of a cornerback you are, if you're allowing quarterbacks to sit in the pocket and just wait to throw. You're gonna you're gonna end up losing that to the wide receiver because the wide receiver is at such an advantage between all the rules for pass interference, between just the fact that you know you're running backwards half the time. Uh, it's just it's just tough. So I don't know if a full revamp is needed. Um, I do agree that we should use some some high draft capital on a young cornerback because you know I, I think Her Chris Harris can can play well. I think he'll probably finish the season out assuming he stays healthy. Um, can finish the season off well, and I think he's still got another solid year in him. But I would feel better if there was a young cornerback waiting in the wings. You know, the thing about cornerbacks, and you got to remember, is that cornerback is a tough position to play, and it's, it's one of the tough ones to transition. And most cornerbacks struggle in their first year as rookies. So 
I would say that it, I would I wouldn't be I wouldn't have a problem bringing back this entire unit, assuming it doesn't cost an arm and a leg, and then drafting a cornerback high, whether it's a first or second round draft capital. That'll just depend on what the board looks like at the time. Um, but bringing someone in to kind of at least take a year of learning, so that their second year they can really kind of you know hit the ground running. Um, but again, it, it's really kind of fluid. If we need more man man cover corners, uh, I don't know if any of these guys are really set up to do that on a consistent basis. So. Um, you know, then we would need to revamp. So I, I, that's kind of my answer to that. I, I think they're fine. I think to me, it's more about the scheme and not getting enough pressure than it is about their inability to play cornerback. Yeah, I've got, I've, I've completely got you. What about you, Dan? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of in agreement there. I, I don't think we're we're necessarily in need of a huge overhaul. Just a change in scheme, a change in the way that these players are used. Um, you don't want to be putting casey hayward are necessarily on an outside receiver anymore where he can get beat deep easily um i want to see more from chris harris obviously he's missed quite a bit of time with his injury but he's back now um he had a few tackles this weekend didn't really look hugely out of out of step but um we can't forget derwin james hopefully coming back to this secondary um would potentially elevate the play of everyone else um, just bring back some leadership to that unit. Um, so I think there's there's work to be done, but I don't think it's necessarily a case of get rid of everyone, start again, um, as much as it is see what the new coaching staff, assuming there will be one, can get out of what we've got, plus maybe a free agent or a draft pick or both. I mean, uh, just a question. Yeah. Let's just say, and we'll call this worst case scenario, I guess, uh, let's just say they decide they want to give Lynn one more shot. You know, Spanos is like, I don't want to spend money on another coach. We've already extended him. Let's give him one last shot to see, you know, what he can do. Do you, If that is the case, do you think they at least fire Gus Bradley? Like, there's no way Gus Bradley comes back, right? I mean, I think, there's a, I think there is a chance Lynn and I think there is a chance Telesco both come back. I think there are solid chances for both. I'm hoping not, but there is a chance. But there's got to be no way Bradley comes back, right? We're definitely going to see a new defensive coordinator, right? Well, we will see. I just don't know. Honestly, anything could happen. Twenty twenty is just you'd like to, that's that's the <laughs> that, that's the thing that should be happening. But ah, don't know. And the thing is, is if one comes back, you know, you wouldn't put it to Lesko keeping loyal and blaming COVID and giving everyone a another chance, especially if Gus Bradley's defense performs like it did against the Bills. You know, we held Josh Allen to 17 fantasy points. Thank you, Josh, because you made me lose my week. Um, but we contained him. We, we gave, gave a lot of trouble to their O. Um, I've got a friend who's uh, a Bills fan who said, wow, this is one of the better defences that's caused us a lot of problems. You know, we, there was a comeback in the third quarter. We got an interception. We got fumbles. Bosa lit it up. If your defensive coordinator does that and he continues to do that, it's a very easy narrative to say unfair to sack them because of COVID. The defense improved and Steichen is developing. Keep the lot of them. Um, it was special teams screwed us a bit. So Pat, you know, we'll blame Stewart, and um, and and everyone comes back apart from the fans. <laughs> um, true story, unfortunately. Um, guys, I'm going to move us on. Hopefully, that was um, useful for you, Christopher. Uh, we're going to review the upcoming. God almighty, it's Patriots week, in it? 
It's Patriots Week. For oh, goodness yeah. sake, in all this misery, talking about coaches and thinking we're going to sack everyone, I've forgotten that it's Patriots Week. Bloody hell. We've got to win this one. I don't care if it ruins a draft pick. Raiders and Patriots, the two teams <laughs> I want to annihilate every time. So, you know, I want to know a little bit about what are you looking for? Are you just looking for us to lose? Are you looking for some improvements? Um, what do you think? I mean, are we ever going to win a game this season? Uh, was uh, Well, looking at our remaining schedule, Patriots at 5-6, and six, Falcons at 4-7, and seven, Raiders at 6-5, and five, Broncos at 4-7, and seven, and the Chiefs at 10-1. and one. Patriots, it's Bill Belichick, isn't it? It's um, one of those where he always seems to get the better of the Chargers, but unfortunately for the Patriots... They've no longer got Tom Brady. Cam Newton's struggling this season. And I think that's where we start. If we're going to win this game on Sunday, is getting to him. And if Bozer plays anything like it against the Bills, you know, Newton could be in for a really rough time. I think Cam is the, is the best option available to the Patriots right now. But I think next season he'll be replaced by um, either possibly another veteran or they'll go and get a, a rookie. So. It's on defence, I think, where the, the Patriots have been playing well. They held Kyler Murray to just under 30-odd yards, or just over 30-odd yards on Sunday. Uh, they have some good red zone stops. So it's whether or not they use the blueprint that the Dolphins and Bills uh, produced to stop Justin Herbert's passing game. But it's going to be a tough one. And if we have the coaching indecisions as we've had in recent weeks, it's going to be a very long Sunday afternoon indeed. I can't see us. Coming away from this with a win, although it would be great if we could uh, get one over and Bill Belichick before he comes over to the West Coast and, and takes over as a head coach. <laughs> over to you, John. Oh, Patriots Week, Patriots Week, Patriots Week. Um, I mean, if it comes down to who's gonna, who's the better coach on Sunday, then we know the Chargers are doomed. I mean, that's a fact that it's just... Yeah. There's very few games this year where they've had the better coach, and that was against Jacksonville, and that was against the Jets. Um, it's debatable whether they had a better team, a better coaching job against the Bengals. I think that might have just been a week one, everybody doesn't know what they're doing kind of thing. Um, no. Uh, the problem is, is, I mean, I can see them winning the game. I, the problem is I can see them winning every game. I have literally have been able to see a path to victory in almost every game they've played. I mean, maybe not the Chiefs game week two, which, you know, ironically is probably the probably the closest game they had to a win of a major team. Um, but I just, there's a path. The, the, the secondary in New England is, is pretty bad. It actually kind of reminds me of, uh, of the poor play uh, that the Jets secondary have. I mean, they're not as decimated by injuries. They're not playing a bunch of rookies out there. But um, their secondary is not very good. Um, their offense has been just kind of just not good at all cam newton's not good i just nope. he just has not looked good at all i don't know if he's he's still trying to get back from injury i don't know if he's just if they've just taken their toll on him i don't know if he's just lost his confidence but he doesn't look good he can run the ball i mean yeah sure uh and again that gives the charges trouble the you know quarter we saw josh allen run all over the charges defense so you know there's there's not there, there's definitely not an outside chance that he he comes in and he just rushes for over 100 yards and three touchdowns against the Chargers defense, who just cannot stop a running quarterback. So, I mean, it's really hard to say where this one goes. If you had asked me, you know, a couple weeks ago, I would have probably circled this as a win. 
um, because I felt like the, the, the team might have been kind of turning a corner at some point when they when they beat the Jets, thinking that maybe they figured it out. But the last you know, the game plans have been back to the old, just keep handing the ball off in, in first downs and not be aggressive. And I think that if you're going to play a close game, a game that you're trying not to lose, I think Belichick's just going to outcoach you and he's going to win. Because I think if it comes down to the fourth quarter, I, I trust Belichick to call the right plays on offense and defense, and I don't trust Anthony Lynn or his coaching staff to call the right plays. So for me, even though this is definitely a winnable game, I just, I don't know. I, I, I just see them having another close loss to the Patriots. Yeah, I, I kind of expect a close loss at this point just every week. Um, I don't see New England being a team that could blow anyone out. Um, I mean, you try and stop the run, maybe double cover Demir Bird on third downs, just because that's the only guy that Cam Newton throws to, uh, on thirds at least. Um, I like Cam Newton. I don't like seeing him have a poor season like this, but I hope we can take advantage of it. Um, I just, I don't see us being able to stop him running it. Um, and James White kind of got going a bit this weekend as well. Um, so I, I, th- I think we're going to struggle against the run. Um, if we couldn't even tackle just, if we, if we can't tackle normal players, how are we meant to tackle uh, super players uh, physically in terms of like Cam Newton? Um, people are just going to bounce off him. Uh, we've got no one that will wrap him up. You'll get Nas fly in shoulder first and just bounce off him. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I think New England's defense has been all right. I think it's going to cause us problems um, just because I, I don't think we'll be able to coach our way through um clearly their best player is adrian phillips right um (laughs) he's having a good season yeah he got another pick um this weekend just gone although that could have been picked off by anyone i think they had three players around the ball as it got popped up into the air um but yeah i i wouldn't be surprised to see julian edelman scoring his first touchdown this weekend against us Probably a passing sods. touchdown. The way things are going for us, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's absolutely sod's law. But I think I think it all comes down to the fact that the the, the Patriots um, they won't have the coaching calamities that we're suffering at the minute. Uh, it it, w- it will come down to that. Yeah, the Chargers. Sorry, go on. Dan. I was just say coaching calamities and mental errors. I don't know what we are against the spread, but the, I, I don't see as coming anywhere near to uh, taking a, a victory in this one. It's going to take something special from our players in all four quarters and a, a bit of a, a dive from from the Patriots, which sets us up for the last four games. And it's it's a little bit depressing. You know, do we do we just suck for Sewell or do we at least play for a bit of pride? But I think there's, there's players on the roster that still want to get the Ws. Um, but the I suppose the downside is if... It's like John said, if there's a pathway to victory, we go and win three or four of these games, uh, starting against the Patriots. What does that do for Anthony Lynn? So, I suppose it'll be his job. Well, yeah, exactly. Gives him five more years. I, I don't like seeing us lose. Full stop. You know, Mondays are pretty depressing when the Chargers have lost. So, and it would be great to put one over on the Patriots. So let's just see what happens. I mean, it's a week-to-week sport. This and. 
this is why we love it so much. So let's just see what's what's going to go down. By the way, I don't think Suck for Sewell is really on the table anymore. Um, with the Bengals overtaking the Chargers, as far as from a lot losing perspective, I don't see the Bengals winning any games without Joe Burrow. Um, the Brandon Allen or whatever they've got back there playing, I don't see him leading them to victory, to be honest. So I don't, and they don't need a quarterback and they need offensive linemen. So there is 0% chance in my mind that the Bengals don't draft Sewell. So in my mind, they're out of the Sewell race. Do I, does that mean I want them to win all their games for that, you know, participation trophy of, you know, attaboy? No, I don't believe in attaboys. I still want them. I'd be, I'd be fine being the number three pick behind the Bengals and not getting Sewell. Why? Because we're going to have at least four other teams behind us saying, hey, we'll give you multiple first round picks to switch, change spots with us. So I, that's I, what I want. I, you know, to be honest, I would love to move back into the mid first round, maybe anywhere from pick, you know, nine to pick 15 collect an extra second round pick and maybe an extra first round pick next year. Then you've got yourself a first round pick you can use on a cornerback or, or one of the other offensive tackles that I think are worth being picked in the middle first round. And then you've got two second round picks and two third round picks to load up on the rest of the needs. So that to me feels like the smarter play. So I, I, don't, I don't want any moral victories. I also like the idea of, of the Chargers finishing three and 13, uh, much like another rookie quarterback who, who started their, uh, their career off three and 13. You know who I'm talking about? Peyton Manning. Peyton, Peyton Manning. Peyton, Peyton, Peyton Manning oh, was three and thirteen his first year. Similarities. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. You keep building that herb hype for me. I'll take it all day long. It's gonna, I mean, it's going to be an interesting one Sunday, isn't uh, Steve Belichick calling defensive plays now for for the Patriots? So you know, um, there's there's one to watch there. See how he handles. Herbert, Eckler, and Allen on the offense. I think, I, actually, I think his dog is the new defensive coordinator. Did, did we hear that? His, his dog. Oh, God. <laughs> Who is it? He just runs that franchise. Look, have you seen what you said about Herbert? You've seen this. Yeah, dog, yeah. Have you? You know, and, and, and if he's saying it, then um, it isn't real. He's just playing mind games to get in someone's head. Because uh, that's what he does. Has he not moved out to the West Coast yet? Mate, he's coming next season. Believe, believe it. Um, so, you know, put put yourself on the spot. Um, do we beat the Patriots on, on Sunday? Was? If we're aggressive, we've got a chance. If we start dithering about, absolutely no chance. So, so no then. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you, Dan? Uh, are, are, are you saying yes or no? No, 17-13 Patriots. That sounds completely legitimate. <laughs> Um, and, and, and I think, you know, we, we already know that, uh, what do you reckon, John? Do you think uh, we're going to pick up the victory? We're going to stutter, dawdle on the sidelines, miss a few 50-yard kicks? Oh, he's never going to let Badgley take those. So uh, let's see what happens. But are we going to uh, win or not? All right. I think uh, I think they lose. That's just, I, I, I think they lose. I hope they lose. I I, I don't want. I, I sorry. I just don't. I don't believe in moral victories, and I know it feels better to be having a victory Monday. But a victory Monday where we drop, you know, five spots in the draft does me nothing. Like I, I don't mind drafting in that you know ten to fifteen range. If we've traded back there, I don't want to be drafting ten to fifteen range because they rattle off four insignificant wins. So give me the L all day long. It's true. 
Well, the problem you've got is you don't live in the UK where every other person is a Patriots fan and <laughs> you can lord it over them um, ad infinitum. So that's important to me <laughs> um, and I want to I see it happen. So, look, guys, we, we've answered your questions. We have solved the riddle of our next head coach. Um, we have blasted the Patriots and we have figured out whether we want or not the Chargers to win any more games this season. Um, get in touch, please, with your questions. We love having you interact with us. Thank you for being a part of this. Keep going, Superfans. I'm going to name Christopher and Adam for their questions, Superfans of the podcast this week. Thank you very much. Uh, where can we find you on the socials? Uh, I'm at endzone85. I'm at, at adroitairs, hashtag audiblechocolate, hashtag fire them all. <laughs> I am at UKLA Chargers hashtag keep pep <laughs> there's a feud coming oh, I'm nice. at Bez the Spaniard and the podcast is at charged up pod get in touch get in keep following keep listening thank you for interacting with us it's Patriots week screw the draft let's beat them Patriots <laughs>